All right, Hawks fans and hoop ball fans, we have a special hoop ball promo. This is big, real big, like Manny Fresh, house real big, car real big, daddy. Anyway, before I start singing and dancing in the booth to a New Orleans classic, this is a huge week for everyone at hoop ball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. These hoop ball products are the best in the business. So listen up. Here's what's out. The draft guide. This is our flagship, our shining beacon like Superman. The most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy sports. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. If you don't know what the Brewski 150 is... You need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for the last decade. Decade. And new for this year, Hoopball is unveiling our new monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part short as much as I can. We have the fantasy pass, which includes the draft guide, the Brewski 150, and also the new DFS pass and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new wager pass for our sports bettors out there who want picks and analysis. And we have the HoopBall 360. The sucker has all of the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. So head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter now, right now. Like, go on Twitter right after you hear this to learn more and get yours today. If you want to succeed in sports betting and your fantasy basketball leagues this year, this is a no-brainer. Again, go to Twitter right now at HoopBallFantasy or go to Hoop-Ball.com and get right today. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds one. Trey Slaughter. Here on the Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight, we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from sunny Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this the day after the home opener versus the Detroit Pistons as the Hawks continue their respect tour with another dub on their resume to remain undefeated in this young season. There was some good, there was some bad from last night, and we will get into all of that after this plug from my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, 
Sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. And things I wanted to see the Hawks do last night for the home opener against the Detroit Pistons ahead of a back-to-back versus Brooklyn, I wanted to see the Hawks continue to build upon good habits of competing, effort, energy, and just attention to detail on the defensive end. I wanted to see the starters start fast and then pass the baton on the bench, and they continue to play well as well. And the Hawks certainly started fast last night, but stalled in spells throughout the game, allowing the Pistons, who played very hard and competed basically from buzzer to buzzer, to stay within striking distance most of the game. I wanted to see them crash the glass with purpose and win the rebound margin because Detroit is a pretty good rebounding team, even with some absences. They rebounded the ball very well last night. And at times, I thought the energy and effort on the boards were not where they were in previous games, especially defensively, as they gave up way too many offensive rebounds last night. I mean, Mason Plumlee himself had five offensive rebounds, so that's something they're going to have to clean up for next game. I wanted to see the bench dominate. Check, they did that. I wanted to see them use this game to continue to work on offensive execution and get players like Rondo, Bogey, and Capella going. I thought they did that last night. I know that when they spoke to Solomon Hill after the game and even Rondo, they said that offensive execution could have been better. And that's always great to hear that it could have been better. And they still scored 128 points last night. They definitely got Bogey going. Rondo definitely did his thing. And Capella looked good coming back from injury. I want to see Collins dominate all his matchups and For three quarters, he was pretty much absent. He was in foul trouble most of the game, but he really stood out and played with a lot of energy and effort and did his thing in the fourth quarter. But as far as dominating his matchup, he did not do that last night. And I know that people on Twitter were wondering about, you know, what's wrong with Collins? What's going on with Collins? He looks disengaged and whatnot. And I don't think that's the case. I just think that, I mean, like I said, we saw this in the preseason. With him and Capella on the floor, they're still trying to figure each other out as far as spacing and where each you know player will be effective on the floor while the other one is out there. So I'm going to chuck it up to that, but he it did seem like something was off last night, but I'm sure he's going to be very, very focused in this matchup versus Brooklyn. And I projected the Hawks to win 122-107 last night. I thought that they would get to a big lead and then hold on to the big lead and then rest their players and get some other players opportunities in the game last night. And unfortunately they got to a big lead, but Detroit, as I said before, kept it within striking distance most of the game. And it was a little closer than we would like to have it here in the ATL, but a win is a win. The injury report going into last night's game. Clint Capella, who was battling Achilles Sordis, was available last night. And as I mentioned, he played and looked pretty good last night in limited minutes. Gallinari was a game-time decision with a foot contusion, but was ultimately ruled out. I expect him to probably be back for the Brooklyn game. As we reported on last episode, when Chris Kirshner was on, Chris Dunn, who will have arthroscopic knee surgery, is out indefinitely. His timetable has not been set, but he will return probably, I would say, within the next month or two to be safe. Tony Snell and Onyeka Okongu were both out, but after the game, were both cleared to progress to live contact workouts after being evaluated last night, which is a really good sign to have More pieces available, especially one in Tony Snell who can shoot threes and guard the perimeter pretty well for a player of his stature. And Oyeka Okongwu, who is known as a defensive player coming out of USC as a rookie, is going to be great for defense in our front court. So that is great going forward. Last night for the game, 
Starting lineup was Trey Young at the one, Cam Reddish at the two again, DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins at the four, and the Hawks regular season debut of Clint Capella started last night. The Hawks shot hot from the field in the first quarter, going 13 of 21 from the floor and 6 of 12 from the three-point line with 10 assists and only two turnovers. The three ball was working all night long for the Hawks. And early on in the game, good defense was turning into offense for the Hawks. And I loved seeing that. They were starting to break and getting clean looks as they were pushing the ball up the court. But the defense would have lapses throughout the game. And although at first they were taking advantage of a young undermanned Detroit Pistons team, which was key going into the game. The Pistons played hard and competed throughout the entire game, which was no surprise. That was evident in their first two games coming into the game last night. Even though they lost and they were 0-2, they played hard and competed in both of those games. So I knew they weren't going to go out without a fight. And the fourth quarter, the Hawks were really flat, which led to an 18-2 run for the Pistons to really make it a, a, a two-possession game in the fourth quarter. And the Hawks were not closing out well at all. The Hawks would respond by giving the ball to Trey and letting him do what Trey does. He was getting to the free throw line as he is mastering the ability to draw fouls and get to the line. And he really stabilized things and helped keep the lead two, three possessions plus. But... As I said before, I knew the Pistons were going to fight the whole game, which they did, and they certainly made things interesting to close it out. But the Hawks would hold off the surge from the young and undermanned Pistons to win the game 128-120 to push their record to 3-0. Last time the Hawks started 3-0 was 2016, and ironically, that was the last year the Hawks were in the playoffs. Hmm, if you're into coincidences. Offensively, this team has been great in the first three games, scoring 374 points in the first three games, which ties a franchise record for the most points scored over the first three games of a season. And only five NBA teams have done this since 1990, and the Hawks are now the sixth team to do it. And this was a find by Mike Conti from 92.9, the game FM here in Atlanta. The Hawks shot 48.8% from the field last night and hit 23 pointers. They were two threes away from tying the franchise record. 20 of 42, going 48% from the three point line. Tremendous night shooting, which has not always been the case here in Atlanta. The Hawks also shot 87.5% from the free throw line. The Hawks held Detroit to under 44% shooting from the field and 31.7% from three. So they continue to guard the three-point line fairly well. They still could close out shooters better, but Detroit was not hitting from the three-point line last night. They were getting most of their points in the paint, which I'll talk about in a minute. The Hawks were out-rebounded for the first time this season, 48-45, to and they were out-rebounded on offensive glass, 17-8. to that's a stat that cannot repeat itself this year. And I know Solomon Hill spoke to that. They have to rebound better on the defensive end as it seemed like they just were not as focused crashing the boards last night and it afforded the Pistons second, third, fourth chances at a basket last night. And it seemed like that was happening throughout the entire night. And it was very frustrating to watch, but it's an easier pill to swallow when you win. The Hawks had 30 team assists last night, which is a great stat showing how selfless of a team this is and how willing everyone is to share the ball and get everyone involved. I thought that was great to see and spoke to the offensive execution that did take place last night. The Hawks had 13 turnovers. They had more turnovers than Detroit. But 
13 turnovers is less than the season average from last year, and they're continuing to cut that number down. So I see this as a plus. As I said before, the Hawks lost points in the paint, 52 to 36. I thought they did not protect the paint as well as they did against Memphis and Chicago. And as I said before, the offensive rebounds really led to more opportunities for baskets in the paint for Detroit. And their energy and their effort kept the Pistons in the game all night long. The Pistons won the fast break margin by four points. But the big key again, the Hawks bench, they outscored the Pistons bench 55 to 37. So the bench dominates once again to really help give the Hawks another win. The stats for the Detroit Pistons with many players out. Detroit has some players put up some numbers last night. Jeremy Grant, the new addition, scored 27 points on 9 of 20 shooting, shot 3 of 8 from the three-point line, and added 6 rebounds. Josh Jackson, the hometown kid from D-Town, had a really good game as well. He also scored 27 points on 11 of 19 shooting from the field in 3 of 7 from three-point land. He added 4 rebounds, 2 assists, a block, and a steal. Rookies Shadiq Bay and Killian Hayes, who both got starts last night, both scored 10 points. Killian Hayes added 8 assists and 2 steals to his stat line, while Shadiq Bay added 7 rebounds to his stat line. Both rookies hit 2 3-pointers apiece. Mason Plumley, the Swiss Army Knife, had 9 points and added 12 rebounds, including 5 on the offensive end which I said before, not great for the Hawks. He also added six assists and three steals. He did not miss from the field, and he added one three-pointer, which is a great fantasy basketball stat stuffer line, if you're into that. DeLon Wright added 18 points off the bench with four assists, five rebounds, two blocks, and shot seven to eight from the free throw line. And Wayne Ellington added 11 points off the bench. For the Hawks, Clint Capella, as I said, regular season debut for the Hawks. He moved well when he was on the floor. He started off his Hawks career in the regular season with a nice pass out of the post to hit an open Cam Reddish at the three-point line. Swish, good assist. And as I said before, I'm, this is something I'm going to be looking at with Clint Capella in the game. He's a very underrated passer out of the post, in passing, in the post, and that's something that's really going to help this team and I think will ultimately help John Collins get him going with Capella and him sharing the floor. As I said, he ran the floor well, filling lanes and getting some fast break opportunities last night. He looked good in that situation. I expected the Hawks to monitor his minutes, and they did by capping him off at 20 minutes, but he looked good in those minutes. We missed him, even though it didn't look like we missed him in the first two games, how we won. But his presence in the paint was another thing that we did not have the luxury of having. And I love how everyone stepped up in his absence, but having him was a real impact for the Hawks, especially last night. And as he gets healthier and healthier, I think his impact is going to just grow. Trey Young. He's now second in the league in points per game right now, averaging 34 points per game, 7.3 assists, and he has a true shooting percentage of 74%. Woo! Last night, he did not score over 35 again, but he was just below 30, scoring 29 points on 6 of 13 shooting, went 2 of 6 from the three-point line, and hit all 15 of his free throws last night. He added six assists, three rebounds, and had three turnovers, which is something that he is working on trying to keep down. He wants to keep those turnovers down. He was getting to the rack early, which opened up two clean looks from three as he jumped out to a hot start, scoring nine points in the first quarter, looking a lot like the Chicago game. I thought he was going to get off to that kind of start last night. And again, his ability to get to the free throw line is getting better and better game by game, especially down the stretch, as I said before, when they needed him to 
Ice the game. Ice trader. Ice the game. Ice trader game. And pull away. Like versus Memphis. The two nights before that. He had to do that last night. And it really helped the Hawks hold off that surge from the Detroit Pistons. And he had another hot start in the first half with 17 points. And I thought he was going to be on pace to get another 30-plus game. But they didn't need it last night to get the win. Trae Young continues to play great. I thought he got snubbed in the Eastern Conference Player of the Week awarding. Nothing against Demona Sabonis. He has been playing very great for the Pacers. And they're undefeated as well to start the season. But I thought that Trey Young should have got that award. But it's a respect tour. People are starting to put respect on his name, but other people are still trying to slander and trying to talk down on his game. That's all right. Trey Young is going to just do Trey Young things night in, night out, and just take their respect. You're going to command their respect at some point, and they'll see it. Hopefully, they see it against Brooklyn next game, the next two games. We'll see. John Collins. He was quiet for most of the night with his first bucket coming in the last minute of the first quarter. He hit his first three last night, which I was glad to see. And it was in transition, which was even you know sweeter in my opinion. Would love to see that three-point stroke continue to show itself and continue to be effective throughout the season. He got into foul trouble again, having three fouls in the first half, four fouls through three quarters, which affected how much he was on the court and how effective he was. And he ended the game with five fouls. But when he came in the fourth quarter... He came out on fire and finished the game strong to close out, which I tweeted I wanted to see. And as I said before, something seemed off. It may have been, you know, the spacing and sharing the paint with him and Capella. I don't know what it is, but he finished strong, scoring 15 points on 4-7 shooting from the field. He hit his only three-point attempt last night, no longer over. Glad to say that. And he hit all six of his free throws last night. He had five rebounds, including two offensive rebounds, two assists, and a block. Would like to see Collins continue to get it going. Hopefully that's something that the coaching staff is going to look at, how to get Collins more initiated into this offense with all these other pieces. And maybe the Brooklyn game isn't the game to try to figure that out, but... I would love for him to step up in that Brooklyn game against stiffer competition and show everybody, hey, this is a max contract player. He may not look like it right now with his numbers, but he is certainly a positive impact on the floor when he's in there. He is trying to play hard on both ends of the floor. As I said before, he needs to continue to work on defending without fouling, but we'll take it game by game. I am hoping, hoping he comes out strong and aggressive against Brooklyn. DeAndre Hunter, another starter, scored 11 points on 4 of 11 shooting, shot 3-7 from 3, added 6 rebounds and 3 assists, started off slow on the offensive end before hitting a 3 in the corner in the 6-minute mark of the first quarter. And he had two three-pointers in the second quarter at much-needed times. And for the rest of the game, they did not need him to shoot any more threes he was just continually giving effort on the defensive end had more fouls called on him than normal last night but certainly giving effort on both ends not the greatest night shooting but DeAndre Hunter certainly didn't hurt us last night same thing with Cam Reddish we're gonna just talk about the Magic City trio the young wings for Atlanta right now Cam Reddish scored 11 points last night four of ten shooting from the field Two of I from the three-point line. He got off to a hot start in the first quarter, scoring seven of his 11 points in the first quarter by the 740 mark. He would then add seven rebounds to his stat line, three assists, three steals. He was very effective last night. It may not have shown up in points, but crashing the glass, getting other people involved in Obviously, his energy and effort in the defensive end, three steals, jumping in the passing lane, starting to break, including the one steal to ice the game last night. 
He is continually improving on the defensive end along with DeAndre Hunter. And I love I love having both of them in the starting lineup right now for defensive purposes. Their offensive games, it seems like one night they're hot, one night they're okay. But as long as you're doing other things to help the team, I'm not going to complain about their offensive output at all. And Kevin Herter, after a hot game the game before, cooled off a little bit shooting, scored nine points, two of eight from the field, one of five from the three-point line. He added four free throws and made all four from the charity stripe. He added three rebounds, two assists, and a steal. He continues to play well scoring off the bench. I love his aggressiveness and his confidence that he is showing. He's certainly playing with a chip on his shoulder each game coming off the bench, trying to give that energy and lift, scoring the ball and facilitating. We'll continue to see how the young wings, especially how they look against this next tough matchup against Brooklyn in a back-to-back. One of the players of the game, in my opinion, outside of Trey Young, and there's another one outside of this player I'll mention, Bogey who I really wanted to see the Hawks get going last night. He has been struggling from the field scoring, but as I said before in a previous podcast, he always does things to help out the team and help them win, whether it's crashing the boards or getting other people involved. Last night, he did all of those things, in my opinion, and it was great to see, as I said, scoring 17 points off the bench, and he was hot from the field, shooting 6 of 10 from the field, and hit five of seven three-pointers. I know he's been struggling from the three-point line, so for him to go five of seven last night really had to do well for his confidence going forward, and he added five rebounds, five assists, and a block last night. Arby, one of the players of the game last night, after missing his first three-pointer early in the game, he made his second one on a find from Trey Young, And then from there, the three-pointers would just keep falling for Bogey the whole night. I thought he was great on the offensive end last night and really gave the team a desperate lift at times when Detroit was inching closer and closer to potentially taking the lead. Bogey would come down the court, hit a big three-pointer, and then boom, push it back to eight, push it back to nine push it back to 11. No matter what, he stepped up big last night. That is why you bring Bogey here. And like I said, I love to have him coming off the bench with his scoring and his energy and how he plays. We'll see if he gets the nod next game or if they keep him off the bench. Solomon Hill played great. Savvy vet playing good defense. And he was hot from the three-point line as well. He hit three three-pointers in the first half and added another three in the second half to up his scoring total to 12 points off the bench, shooting four of eight from the field, and all four of his shots were three-pointers. He added two rebounds, one still in a block. I thought he was a really steadying presence on the court, offensively trying to make the right play, defensively giving effort trying to crash the glass and get the young guys set up on the defensive end. Really, when he was in the game, the defense was better where Solomon Hill was in, and he spoke to just the team just getting better and buying in more on the defensive end, trying to make that their calling card as their calling card right now is offense. They can score points. That's no secret. But defensively, they got to hang their hat on that going forward because they're going to have to get stops against better competition like who we've been talking about the whole program, Brooklyn, the next two games. Another player who could easily be the player of the game, he got the post-game interview for Fox Sports Southeast last night. Rashawn Rondo, regular season debut with the Hawks. Love having him on the floor, initiating offense off the bench. He scored 12 points on 5 of 8 shooting, and went 2 of 3 from 3-point land, and they were deep 3-pointers, which is a new editor in his game. And he talked about he had to improve with that. He had to improve shooting the ball from 3 because it's a 3-point shooting league now. And he spoke to that on all the smoke, and now we're seeing that it's not smoke and mirrors on the court. It's real. So people can continue to leave him at the 3-point line. He's going to continue to make them. 
But hey, I'm glad he's on our team. He added eight assists in a block last night. A late possession in the first quarter <laughs> when the shot clock was going down. It seemed like the offense was kind of stagnant. You know, Rondo called everybody off, used his veteran savviness to say, you know what? I got this. He used that, drive the lane, and get to the basket and finish. And that was his first basket as an Atlanta Hawk. That savviness is what we're going to need throughout the year. That leadership, that knowing the game, knowing the situations, knowing when you have to take over or when you have to get someone involved. Having that off the bench with a lot of young players and a lot of players who can be streaky off the bench is really going to make this bench even more lethal in my opinion. And then whenever we get Gallinari back, having both of them on the floor at the same time, pick and pop, pick and roll, everyone focusing on their two-man game, and then it opens up something for the shooters like the Herders, like the Bogdanovich, if Reddish is on the floor, if Hunter's on the floor with that lineup, whoever may be the case, or a lob opportunity for Fernando, who I'll talk about in a minute. Just having two vets who can initiate offense, who are stabilizers off the bench, especially when the starters struggle at times, is really going to be huge going forward for the Hawks. Rondo also had a great find of Kevin Herter trailing to hit a three-pointer in the second quarter. He did a wonderful job on the wing of getting the ball, faking the handoff, and using his eyes to manipulate the defender to follow the guy who was going to get the handoff. And then once he passed Rondo, boom, kicked it back up to the top of the three-point line where Herter was trailing. Three-pointer, boom, in stride. Manipulating the defense. And like I said, having him off the bench is a steal for this Atlanta Hawks team. As I said before, three-point shot continues to get better. He had a 10-point third quarter to really get the Hawks going, and he would push the lead out. And as I said before, the Pistons would chip away at that lead once Rondo sat down. But Rondo was just happy to be back on the floor with these guys. He said he loves his group. He loves their buy-in. He loves how these young guys listen and their energy. And he says that the relationship with him and Trey is not forced. It's been a natural Relationship, just spending time together, talking basketball, talking life. I like that mentorship, and I just love his presence for this team. Bruno Fernando, as I mentioned, played well tonight. He got 11 minutes with Capella coming off of injury, but he certainly played with a sense of urgency after the Nathan Knight game against the Grizzlies with people saying, wow, is he going to replace Bruno? Way to respond, Bruno Fernando, playing with energy and playing with a lot of physicality as Coach Lloyd Pierce praised him for that post-game. And I said this before the season, him and Rondo, that second unit, I think Rondo's going to help him grow even more offensively and talking to him on a defensive end as well when they're outside of the game, maybe watching film, looking at that unit per se. I think he's going to help Fernando grow. But I love how he came out with a sense of urgency after Nathan Knight kind of showed him up the night before. Bruno Fendo scored five points, and he added five rebounds in a block and went 100% from the field and from the charity strike. We will talk about takeaways from last night's game, but quick, a plug for Manscaped. Support from Hootball Hawks comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. As we are in the holiday season, with all the shopping, chestnuts roasting on open fires, as Jingle Bells plays on almost every radio station, don't forget your jingle balls. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. We all know of a guy who had a tragic grooming story to try to impress his lady. Or you personally, where you clip the wrong thing and you start the Will Smith, see what had happened was, well, see, what should have happened was you copping Manscaped for your grooming needs. This revolutionary company has redesigned the electric trimmer 
Their lawnmower 3.0 has a proprietary advanced skin safe technology. So this trimmer cuts on your nuts and it's also waterproof. So you can use it in the shower. The lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new perfect package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trim, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as your jingle balls. That's a technical foul. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Yeah, your jingle balls do stink. I don't care if you just showered. Speaking of sweaty, stinky jingle balls, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good, my friends. Good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help you set the mood if you know what I mean. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day long, baby. It's time to upgrade those used pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. So, tis the season to Manscaped. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, don't matter. The best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Your jingle balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code hoopball20 clean up your jingle balls and i guarantee you will make the nice list this year for christmas all right and we are back i will get into my takeaways from last night's game although we got the dub scored 128 points there were certainly some negatives from last night Last night, even though we shot great from the three-point line, which has not always been the case for Atlanta, I thought offensively we missed Gallo's pick-and-pop ability as Detroit did a wonderful job at times guarding the rollers in the pick-and-roll situations. I thought it would have been a nice wrinkle to throw in pick-and-pop, especially when you know you have John Collins, who was a 40% three-point shooter last year, a nice little change-up. If they're guarding the roller hard, have them pop out and potentially get a three-point look, a pretty open three-point look, especially if that's what you're seeing the entire game. Gallo can do that. I know Collins can do it as well. And you never know. This may be something teams see on film and pick up on. If their three-point ball is not falling and they're trying to run pick and roll to initiate offense and they cover the roller hard that could stop this team. But as a wrinkle, throw in the pick and pop, sprinkle that in. Maybe it's with DeAndre Hunter. Maybe it's with Cam Reddish, Gallo, Collins. But I think that pick and pop will be a wonderful attitude in this offense when teams are guarding the pick and roll hard like Detroit was last night. But hey, they still scored 128 points. They hit 23s. Offensively, they were sharing the ball. They had 30 assists, which is great. Moving the ball around. Being a team that was a triple threat. Showing that they're selfless. Getting everybody involved. Scoring from all three levels. In the paint. Mid-range game. From the three. Beyond the three. Trey Young, Rondo. That's you two. Their offense early was generated by good defense. And Solomon Hill spoke, as I said before, to the offense being even more efficient and executing even better, which is something that I did want to see going into tonight's game. And they did that for most of the game, but it certainly was not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And that's just, you know, a vet in Solomon Hill wanting perfection 
always knowing that they can always improve despite still scoring 128 points. That's a good thing, in my opinion. And they had some things working. I would like to see some wrinkles. I would like to see Gallo back. We'll see if Tony Snell and Okongwu are back for the offensive end and the defensive end going forward. But right now, even if they do not come back, bench and depth are the Hawks' best friend right now. It's such a luxury to have depth and savvy veterans to come off the bench, stabilize things, and pick up where the starters left off or where they may lack at times. This will continue to be huge for the Hawks going forward as the bench has outscored the other team's bench in the first three games. Now, Brooklyn has a pretty good bench, although they will be without Spencer Dinwiddie, which I'll talk about a little bit later. I still want them to rise to the challenge and try to win that matchup because if the bench is doing their thing against Brooklyn and one or two of the starters are doing their thing, we have a good chance to beat them. But, hey, we got to play the game out. The Hawks have to learn how to put people away. We saw glimpses of that in Chicago, and I'll speak to that. But the veterans were past the baton in stretches with Hill, Rondo playing well. But when they passed it back to the starters, which has some younger players, the lead did dwindle, dwindle down to a multiple possession game. Not good, especially when they were up by 19 points for stretches in the game. But this is a still a young team. They got to learn how to close out games. We saw a little bit of this, as I said before, in Chicago. And I'm, I know they had their lead cut by 20 points in the fourth quarter and still won by 20. But what if it wasn't a 40 point lead? As I said in previous programs, what if it was a 30 point lead, 25 point lead, a 20 point lead? That is alarming. That is alarming. We got to learn how to close people out. Last night, as I said, the Pistons got on a 18-2 run in the fourth, and then they got it down to a two-possession game. It was a five-point game at one point after being up by 19. And this was an undermanned Pistons team with two rookies starting and no all-star talent on the floor to this point. Derrick Rose wasn't on the floor. Blake Griffin wasn't on the floor. This is alarming. Yeah, we got the dub. Great, but we got to learn how to close teams out, especially when I said before, we have to win the winnable games against lesser opponents in the NBA on either side of the conference. And if you do this too many times and you lose a few games here and there against winnable opponents where you fail to close out, that could be the difference in being in position to be in the playoffs comfortably or being on the outside looking in. I'd rather the Hawks learn this sooner rather than later. So that's something that I need to see them clean up. The Hawks, even though they were great on the offensive end, they were not great defensively in stretches tonight. But really good offense overshadowed the poor defense. And we cannot rely on this game to game. We have to clean up on the defensive end and execute better on the defensive end, especially when competition stiffens like they will next game and the stakes are higher. And I know it's early. We have an assistant coach who is defensive-minded. He's coming into the fold. Maybe has some thoughts and philosophies that he's infusing onto this defense. And the defense is going to be a work in progress, to say the least. It's been good in stretches early in the season, but... I thought it took a step back last night and how fitting that after all the points, threes, the game ended with a steal by Cam Reddish. Lloyd Pierce said on defense, there were some instances last night where there was some oversharing as far as of responsibilities on the court and too much gambling on defense at times. Being disciplined and being sound on a defensive end is what we need to see from the Hawks going forward. Solomon Hill spoke to this as well, says that, as I said before early in the program, defense needs to be this team's calling card, especially, as I said before, with tough matchups like the next two versus Brooklyn. 
the elephant has been in the room the entire program. We're not going to talk about it. Brooklyn. We have a back-to-back versus them starting Wednesday, tomorrow as I'm recording this on Tuesday, and on Friday. It'll be a tough matchup. It'll be a measuring stick game for the Hawks, as Brooklyn will most likely be a top three to four team this year in the East. They may have unfortunately lost Spencer Dinwiddie for the year, but they still have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, and many other good players off their bench, Landry Shaman, that will make this matchup tough. You have tough starters and a tough bench. And this is easily going to be the toughest game that they have faced in this early season. Easily. It's no question. Kyrie and KD, they were rested last night versus the Grizzlies. And the Nets sacrificed a dub last night to lose to a Grizzlies team. Also, well wishes to John Morant in this ankle injury. The Grizzlies still got the dub without John Morant down the stretch. But hey, Kyrie and KD are going to be rested. They lost the game before that to the Hornets by two, where KD got dunked on by Scary Terry, and that blew up on the internet. They're going to be coming out and looking to bounce back, and I expect that we will have their undivided attention, especially as the Nets are now 2-2. Two and two. The Hawks are undefeated. Going into the game, I think the Hawks, what I saw on ESPN, only has a 25% chance of winning, so we're still the underdogs. It's a respect tour. This is a game where you command respect from the league. If you can go out and take one of two from Brooklyn the next two games, you're gonna command more respect. Because three and two is fine, especially when you have to go against Brooklyn back to back. But four and one sounds a lot better. Five and oh is dream case scenario. But if you can go four and one after this two-game stretch, that's going to open up a lot of eyes, and you're going to command a lot more respect around the league, which will probably lead to more national television games in the back half, if you're still mad about that. The entire team for the Hawks will need to bring it this game, especially on the defensive end. They must execute on that end of the floor. Brooklyn loves to get out and run and score in transition, and our transition defense was not great last night. And it's been spotty here in the early part of the season. So offensive execution is going to be a key as well. But we have to execute on the defensive end. I really want to see us tighten up some things tonight against the Pistons. We did that in some regards in the offensive end. But in other regards, defensive end, in some adjustments, we did not do that. We know that we can score the ball and we can potentially keep up with this Brooklyn team. That's no question. We can hang with them offensively. But can we get stops when needed? If the Brooklyn Nets go on a 16-0 run or a 16-2 run like the Pistons did last night, can we settle ourselves down defensively and get stops? Can we get stops and then use the strength of the team, which is our offense, to get back in the game? Adversity is going to hit us in these two games. I want to see how we respond to adversity when KD and Kyrie are seemingly hitting everything because they're going to be stretches where they're going to they're going to hit everything. They're KD and Kyrie, two of the best scorers in the league. They're going to do that. And if we're on a dry defensive spell, how are we going to respond? This is where the vets come in. This is where the young core who have played together they had to pick up games out in L.A., garner some confidence, and they got some confidence early here in the, of the regular season, and they're growing together in skill and the confidence, as I said before. This is where that comes into play. Growth as a coach from Lloyd Pierce, having a tenured coach behind him in Nate McMillan. These are where these things come into play and really show themselves. This is going to be a measuring stick to see how good are we in the Eastern Conference and in the league. We got to crash the glass better than we did last game. We have to limit our turnovers. 13 turnovers compared to last year, great for the Hawks. We got to continue to get that number down. We got to get back in transition, play better transition defense, and continue to get good looks on the offensive end so you don't have to be in transition defense. You can get back and get your defense set and dig in and execute on a defensive end. These two games against Brooklyn, I don't want – Any of our fans to overreact to whatever you see, good or bad. 
Now, if Trey Young is going off, yeah, yeah, we can overreact to that because he's the real deal. He's the real deal. That's no question. But the bad in these first two games, do not overreact. This is still game four and five of this regular season. It's very early. And I really like the fact that we do have two cracks at them back to back, giving these young guys a taste of a normal rest time schedule for a game one and a game two in a playoff series. That little, you know, sample size, that little peek into, you know, having a first game fill them out and second game adjustments that you do in response to game one is going to pay off later on, especially now that you have veterans who have been in the playoffs and playoff situations to kind of help them after game one against Brooklyn on Wednesday and what adjustments need to be made, win or lose, what adjustments need to be made to secure a win in the second game on the back-to-back against Brooklyn. I think that for the first two games, as I said before, first game will be a fill out game, maybe high scoring, a lot of points. Defense will probably not look as great in stretches, especially when you're going against two of the best scorers in the league. One is potentially a top-five player, and I think Kevin Durant is a top-five player. Kyrie Irving, top-five arguably in his position, maybe even better. Offensively, it's going to be a lot of points in that first game. Game two is going to be where I'm really looking at the defensive adjustments, how much better they play on that end. With that, I'm not going to give a prediction on this game. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to watch game one play out. We're going to recap it. I'm going to have a special guest coming on to Hoop Ball Hawks to talk over that game and then look forward to game two. And it should be a fun and entertaining one in the Big Apple on the corner of Atlantic Avenue and Flatbush Avenue in the Barclays Center. If COVID wasn't around, Jay-Z, Jehovah, he would be there in attendance. I 100% you know, think that he would definitely be there. He would have pulled up. But all that matters is the guys playing in between the lines of the Barclays Center in that game. It's going to be a fun one. And as if this matchup needed more fuel to the fire, this pins the two teams, the Hawks, with the highest offensive rating in the NBA at 121.5 versus the Nets with the best defensive rating in the NBA at 99. So it's going to be a fun, fun matchup to watch. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a family member, tell a cousin, sister, auntie, wife, whoever, to tell another friend about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks out of the 404-678, wherever area code that you rep here in the Atlanta area, tell someone about Hoopball Hawks. Share with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at Hoopball Hawks on Twitter. That is at Hoopball Hawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T 67. And as always, yeah!